Hi everyone, a little bit of business here before we start. I was bogged down with work last week, so I didn't release an episode. So I'll release two episodes this week in order to make up for it. Okay, on with the show. Hey, Melody. Hey, Peter. What's up, Drew? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Welcome to How College Works. So we're talking about a couple of options we have for discussion today, and we've settled on mindfulness. So we're going to sit here for 20 minutes. We're going to say OM. <laughs> and maybe ring the, ring the bell. Ring the bell, a prayer bowl. Uh, so how are we coming, how are we coming into this, uh, this topic? Uh, Drew, you were saying that sort of mindfulness in terms of a K-12 uh, focus uh, is something, or on certainly on like teacher Twitter, which is a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been like a thing for like a couple of years, and that there's. Um, well, why don't you take me over, take it over from me? Like, what oh, is no, your experience or perspective? Yeah, you were doing just fine. <laughs> I know, yeah. but I was like, I, Drew has things to say. I don't want to say all the things for him. <laughs> my, my whole goal in these podcasts is to say as little as possible. I'm failing so far. I, well, yeah, I, just, <laughs> I just felt like I was kind of mansplaining to you, which is sort of a weird thing to do to another man. But, you know. It, uh, it's a weird thing to do, period. It still happens. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Um, yes. Yeah, you were going to college explain my K-12 situation. That's yes. right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing that topic of mindfulness um, as one of the kind of, I want to say, buzzwords, even though it has a negative connotation, of floating around teacher Twitter and floating around um, staff meetings and and what have you, uh, where there's one elementary school where the let's say the mental health of our students and our, and our faculty is um, something that the principal is aware of anyway, and saying like, this is a, um, what's the word I want? A priority for us this year. So they're doing a, it's an off the shelf um, item that she's picked up and is having the students do at the beginning of the day, a, a um, mindfulness activity. That's a couple of minutes. It's not a huge you know, 30 minute massive yoga meditation thing. Uh, It's maybe five or 10 or something. And then in the faculty meetings uh, monthly, they do a a short uh, mindfulness activity as well. And the the purpose of that is to get in the way of, or break up the the issue of um, the, your, your, your brain is your human brain is always thinking about what just happened or what's about to happen and not, always thinking about what's going on right this minute. So you're getting anxiety or fight flight response. What's the word I want? Like hormones and things in your body from stuff that happened in the past or stuff that you you anticipate will happen in the future. Oh, my evaluation's coming. My boss is coming to view my classroom today. Or, you know, I just had a, 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 a stressful conversation with a coworker where we got heated and it, it mm-hmm. last hour and now I'm responding to that and I've got the adrenaline in my, you know, and so your, your brain is, doesn't know the difference between perceived threat and actual threat. Right. So you're having a physical response to a, yeah. to something which is not happening now, which either, either done or hasn't, or may not even happen. And so you're getting these, um, yeah, yeah I'm this, not, so I want to, I guess I want to put it, put it in front of it. Like, obviously I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, you know, yogi or anything, 
uh, I'm getting this information from um, most recently, like in lots of places, but most recently I was at a, a summit uh, with a group of educators from Northern California. And the, one of the keynotes was about uh, mindfulness and how it affects, this was a lot of IT directors and uh, people with my job title of digital coordinator or whatever. And that job can get stressful and what, and, and, you know, anxious and making lists and never finishing your list and, and projects that go on for days. So, you know, it was covered in that sense, but um, yeah, yeah the, the, the whole idea of it is to break out of that uh, anxiety cycle. And of course, each one of these people that shares their story shares a story of this, you know, huge breakdown they had either on live national news television or, you know, in the workplace and had to take, uh, you know, a leave of absence for a couple of months and, and figure out their mm-hmm. your mental health situation in return. And, and so many of them have come back to uh, not just psychiatry and medication and those things, which, which work in the way that they work, but also into a mindfulness uh, approach of uh, using the brain to work on the brain kind of thing. And, Right. Being aware of those triggers for you. Yeah. One of the, this sort of is touching on some stuff, which, uh, and I've forgotten now where I have, where I have learned this, but it was, I swear, a reputable source. (laughs) I just can't (laughs) cite it now anymore. uh, Talking about, well, what happens when, what happens when you have that fight or flight uh, response where you are uh, stressed, right? And I see this in terms of uh, exams students who are coming in to take an exam in my class. And one of the things which is kind of a catch 22 is that when your body is, is having this reaction where you are going to be um, getting physically ready to take action. That's, that's what adrenaline is all about is to get me ready to increase, increase my blood flow, widen my, my veins and arteries, increase heart rate, get you know, a surge of energy ready to go to run or to fight. Part of what happens is that it starts to turn off your higher order thinking. Mm. So that, you know, that frontal lobe action, which is what you really need for, I don't know, say a physics exam, uh, executive functioning and yeah, <laughs> executive making. functioning, controlling yeah. your impulses. Like a lot of things. Okay. A lot of things that make your life uh, smoother. <laughs> so right. it shuts those down because those get in the way of taking action, which is what that whole thing is about, is to take physical action. And if you're overthinking it, if you're hemming or hawing, or you're controlling your impulses, then you're not taking action, which is what your body is getting itself ready to do. Uh, so if you're worried about an exam and you get this super amount of stress, it, it hits you uh, pretty hard because it's reducing your capacity to actually think through the problems because you're stressed out. And knowing that probably is just going to stress you out more. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, I'm, I, am, I am stressed out and I'm worried. I got this adrenaline rush. Oh, no, this means I can't think. Oh, no. You know, just like so keep sort guess, of piling you know, on. When we're talking about mindfulness, and of course, I showed up late to this summit because the traffic was so bad East Bay that that was three hours to make a two-hour trip. And I'm 45 minutes into the, the, the keynote and, and I'm, you know, 
grumpy because they were out of coffee. <laughs> and I sit down and listen to this guy about mindfulness and I'm just like, oh man, this is out of control right now. But would, would you guys agree, would you, you know, uh, higher ed college professors agree that this is something that this, this stress response is something that impacts our students or even our faculty? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I mean, and we're talking about all of these feelings and all these things that go on with our brain and our fight or flight, blah, blah, blah. But when you're talking about like the elementary school that are, that's doing the mindfulness thing, they're like doing these particular exercises, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's like different ways um, that we could like do like be mindful or put ourselves back in that in the present as opposed to what is going to happen or what just happened. Yeah. And that, so those exercises are teaching a skill of getting yourself back in a uh, present moment. And I, I realize obviously you're not going to take time for that in your, you know, uh, writing one-on-one section, but I don't know. Why not? No, yeah, why not? And, but certainly there's, there's um, resources on campus for this type of a, like a mindfulness course. I was able to find it on my campus. I don't, I don't know how integrated it is with everything else, but you know, like a mindfulness course? It, well, course or resources to that effect. Oh, for me, I was able to find that like, yeah, fifth year in college <laughs> where I was, um, you know, connecting with the, the uh, campus health center because that's where my health care was through. And they had, uh, yeah, it was, you know, covered under my campus health care um, Meetups, I guess, kind of the way to describe it. Meetups, or courses, support um, groups. Yeah, yeah, support groups, but it was more, it was more like a facilitator and and a group, or or you could you know uh, wait two weeks and sign up for a like a one on one kind of session. So I had that as a graduate student through the uh, I think it was health services, but there was like a council, like a big sort of counseling area, and they had like a facilitated. Uh, uh, sort of support group, but support group makes it sound like I think I've mentioned this before. Like we cried on each other's shoulders, and it really was just sort of a taking a moment every week to stop and think about what we wanted to do, what right. we got done, what we can do. This has been a known, uh, you know, buzzword term. Again, I, I shouldn't say buzzword, it, but this has been a known topic: mindfulness in K twelve in the for the school psychologists for uh, you know a long time. Um, so it, it's just kind of now in the last several years, five years or so migrating into the mainstream of, of teachers and elementary teachers and principals, understanding the impact that this has on, you know, emotional intelligence and, and emotional ability to deal with stressors in the, in the classroom. And, in, and then, and that is supposed to like, the idea is that carries over to real world. Everybody says, well, I'm preparing my students for the real world. Well, this is the skill that prepares us for the real mm -hmm. world of being able to deal with a stress situation and not completely shut down. The third item is fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. right? So, and I, I can't do that in some, some jobs. I'm not allowed to freeze. Right. 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 Or it's I mean, it, 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 at any sense, it's detrimental like that. So you have that stressor and I, I get this at low levels pretty much all the time in terms of there's a number of things I need to get done. It's not that I can't do them. It's not that I don't have the time to do them, but it's that feeling of, ah, oh, I got to do that. And it's stressful. And it's not that I smack somebody around or run away. <laughs> More likely is that I end up procrastinating and that's kind of a low level 
freeze. And one of the things that I ran into at some point was like, oh, here's how to deal with this, you know, kind of feeling like you're unable to get started on something that you need to get started on is to take five minutes and do some mindfulness sort of meditation. Um, and for those of our listeners who don't know what that means, I'm mostly familiar with it in terms of the, the kind of mindfulness that is uh, tends to be practiced before and after like a session of yoga. So that's a particular brand, I'm sure, of mindfulness. And that's often focusing on your breathing, closing your eyes, not thinking about what's come before, not thinking about what's going to come after this, but paying attention to the feeling of your breath coming into your lungs, paying attention to how each part of your body feels in, in doing this and spending you know five minutes doing that. And then you know, in this context, I'm seeing like, oh yeah, if I'm feeling like I'm gonna procrastinate, that helps me get out of that cycle and then be like, okay, now I can start on all this craving. Yeah, I mean, it has the 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 amount of effect that that you practice into it, just like flexing any muscle, right? And that's right. exactly the that awareness of breath is exactly what um, our keynote guy was holding up a, a book written by a Googler. That's what they call them over there, I guess. Googlers. Um, <laughs> employee number twenty seven or something. I guess they all used to have employee numbers. Anyway, he who had written this book about mindfulness to because it's such a high stress job that their teams were becoming ineffective and he was discovering uh, at a high level of, you know, coding and whatever Google does that they needed to bring this to their employees. And so he wrote a book and went around and did seminars for Google employees and eventually they made it public, but that's uh, a public program. And that's exactly what it was is this uh, I'm simplifying it. Uh, you know, if you want to go find his book and read it, um, awareness of breath. And, and one of his quotes was um, even just a single aware breath or centered breath is enough. Uh, and if you've practiced it enough, right. And, and are able to, then I know like high level musicians have said almost the same thing to me where they were able to do that um, centering either with breath or with some other practice exercise. And that even just the physical motion uh, before going on, uh, is able to recenter them and remove stage fright and that fight or flight and get you back in performance mode and ready to go. Mm -hmm. yeah, I am gonna, I, so does the brain scientists look at this? Is this a thing? Do they look at it all? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And totally. one of the things that he, he cited in, in this keynote was the, the CT scans of the um, fight or flight response all lit up in your brain and the prefrontal cortex executive functioning all it ups totally separate areas and then this this meditation uh mindfulness like transition between the two and it it's it, it, and those they're all distinct areas lit up and you can basically what he's saying is um uh reset the default pattern for your brain like the default pattern for your brain is alert for threats but we don't live anymore in a in a situation like i don't anyway live in a situation where i'm threatened mm -hmm. so having this alert brain for threats and and then my immediate trigger response is to fight flight or freeze is detrimental so resetting my default brain mode in and if you practice it enough your the chemicals and the and the brain activity kind of resets to default of centered hmm. right mm -hmm. 
and yeah, they, they are, the brain science is studying it. And that's another reason why it's, it's able to kind of move into the mainstream because uh, so many high profile people, news anchors and whoever are saying like, yeah, it sounds totally uh, crunchy granola kale. It does. It sounds really cheesy. Oh, it super does. But the, the science is behind it. Well, well, and I think there's been a lot of, uh, my impression based on, again, not cited sources, uh, Buddhist monks have, have yeah. been very open and inviting to being studied while they meditate sort of in these ways. And that has led to a lot of research uh, being produced about this. So if you want to go, I mean, I'm sure if you go in, in Google or go on your uh, school's library in one of their uh, catalogs and look through databases and look for mindfulness research neurochemistry or something, you can start to find a bunch of articles that talk about these, these transitions in, in what is being active in your brain while you're meditating. So this isn't just something that like a hippy dippy like writing teacher would do? No, this is not crystals. No, no. Well, it's just yeah. one of those things like in the 70s, like there was this expressivist movement in writing and a lot of it included stuff like, you know, let's all sit with our eyes closed and listen to Steppenwolf and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'm, uh, that's why I was asking about the science part. Yeah, I think oh, fair, that, fair question. That's, that's for sure the perception, right? Is that, yeah. is that we're all going to sit in a circle and, and, and burn sage and, you know, whatever. But yeah, when the science is behind it and, um, and you see the results of yourself after a month, two months, three months, uh, really short sessions, 10 minutes, two minutes is enough in the morning or whatever it is, then, then it, you know, it's easy to change your mind. Hmm. True. So when you say that like after doing this for a period of time, you kind of reprogram your brain do you remember, I don't, I'm, I'm basically asking to remember this entire lecture and also this entire book, but do you remember like how long that normally takes for people to start feeling the effects and start noticing this reset? Uh, I don't recall that explicitly. I want to say, you know, that, that he mentioned like a month or three months or something like yeah. that. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I don't know why I remember that that's what he said, but I, I couldn't recall. Okay. Correct, so. I mean, I can go look on my databases, like Peter said. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, and it is something where I think the more um, focused you are, the, the the faster. So what you're doing, I think, is retraining basically your neural pathways. You're you're reworking the way your brain is signaling mm -hmm. uh, to make it the the dominant mode. So, you know, for example. Uh, if someone is, is, is bipolar, they have a manic phase and a depressive phase, but you can end up being sort of locked into one of those because mm -hmm. it gets retraced too much. Yeah. And what you're doing here is forcing, not this is not gonna stop depression, <laughs> but in terms of your sort of like stress sort of brain mode, you're stopping it and forcing it into a different flow. And the more you, you do that, the more you reinforce it, the, the, the more it becomes normal and natural. It's exactly the same as learning a new habit or if you're an athlete, learning a new uh, skill. 
in terms of how you hold yeah. your body while you do something. And, and also, I think it goes along with that kind of daily or, or regular practice. If you're a runner and you run three days a week, um, after a while, you just wake up at 5 a.m. on Tuesdays because that's your running day. Yeah. And, and it's right. not like I don't need an alarm to, to do that. Um, well, now I do because I don't run that much anymore. But, <laughs> but when I was running, I woke up two minutes before my alarm every, yeah. every time. And, and it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. and you're like, oh, my goodness. I just woke up, got up, stood up, put on my running gear and, and rolled out. And it wasn't because it had been trained in for like three years in a row. I got up on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5 a.m. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do it every day, uh, it'll probably be faster than if you do it once a week. Mm -hmm. But doing it is consistently is, I think, probably more important than like binging it. When he's when he's that book quote is saying um, one uh, aware breath is enough. And what what to me the way I'm interpreting that is once you've gotten close, you know, where where you're you're aware of breath and you're meditating, um, not just quiet and going to sleep, then if you can get that one aware breath, it, it counts. So for me, the difficulty was getting up the hill to that one aware breath. Yeah. It's, and it it's takes tough to shut your brain off. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of judgment. I mean, speaking from my experience in terms of, uh, now we're going to all sit cross-legged with our eyes closed and your hands in your lap. And we're going to take a breath in and we're not going to think about things. And it's letting go of this expectation that, that, you, that I'm going to just n- not be thinking of anything immediately. That my mind is going to empty and stay empty. And that's really, really, really hard. You yeah. know? And so, I mean, being, the way that this, I'm thinking, I'm listening to that and saying like the way this relates to me in, in college is, is when I was a student in college, albeit 20 years ago, um, I would go to sleep at whatever time. Sometimes I try to go to sleep early, whatever, nine o'clock, okay, 10 o'clock, midnight, whatever. And I would lay in bed with my eyes closed and the lights off and I would just start, my brain would spin and I would make a checklist of what I needed to do. Okay, wake up at eight, eat breakfast, get to class. All right, right after class, I'm gonna finish that homework for Wednesday, whatever. And I would go down this entire list of the day and inevitably the next day, none of it would happen and it would make me anxious and, and crazy. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about sit cross-legged with hands in your lap, none of that is like per se required of the physical shape of your body. But what it does is once you practice it in that mode, when your body gets back in that shape, your body remembers that you're going to be awareness of breath and meditating. Mm-hmm. So you're like creating, a, kind of thing. Yes, you're exactly. creating a physical space and a mental space where you can resume that awareness um, more quickly and slip into the stream of, of, you know, presentness more quickly. Right. And that's really key for, like you say, if you are spinning your wheels and like much of my life through like my probably most of my twenties felt like I would close my eyes and just my, the wheels would spin. Uh, just things come in yeah. all the time. And <laughs> I had can't. kids after you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it doesn't help, uh, you know. And then learning to try to and being like, there's a thought, catching myself with a thought, and learning to let it go. Be like, it's okay. I don't have to be upset with myself that I had a thought. 
because the non-thought thing is just not a thing that I can do mm-hmm. <laughs> really like it's letting them go and spending a, a few moments with no thoughts is the important thing for right me. but it helps to um getting out of getting out of that that stress right about to take an exam stressed frontal lobe shutting down take a moment take some calming breaths not just the breathe in and out whatever but try to be the mindful mm-hmm. reduces the stress i mean i can feel it happen when i when i just sit and do it and take a deep breath in and start to pay a little bit of attention i feel myself getting calmer and it's a really enjoyable feeling <laughs> to feel like i'm calming down even if i didn't feel stressed yeah. And that makes it easier to, and again, I, to I think. think it's, it's important to point out this isn't, this isn't, um, you know, we all have jobs where we're kind of uh, responsible for our own decisions and time uh, in some aspects. And this is not where I go and chill out and uh, ignore the world's demands for, that's not what's happening. This is a, this is an ability to refocus with full energy back on the things that I am ambitious to take care of and, and responsible to take care of. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different than my, like, I'm going to go, it's lunch break. I'm going to zone out and watch in like anime for an hour. Or, or it's summer break and I'm going to chill by the pool. That's not what. That's yeah. That, not that's not this. <laughs> Not to say you can't be mindful by the pool, but. Right. These sort of. But these are kind of like micro moments in some ways. Very much. Yeah. 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 And so having... they, but so my understanding is that if you're doing these sort of one minute things here and there, that it keeps you from those bigger, I need to take, you know, a week off from school because I'm so stressed out. Precisely. That's the idea, right? Is that you're able to deal with it better to where, because look, if I'm spinning my head every night, like I was in first year, second year, probably third year of college too, um, then I think taking a week off is going to somehow help me and ignoring my tasks. And my father called it turning your back on the bull, like the bull's running at you, but you just turn around and ignore it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to support me and and I'm going to be able to refresh my mental health. But what really happens to me anyway, in my personal experience of having done that is then I'm spending the entire week anxious of what I'm missing and what I've pushed off and and how I had to send the email to the professor to say, give me a week extension on my due date. And, you know, or I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually at home trying to type the paper that's due on the next Monday. Like it's not, I'm not saving any time, any, any mental energy doing that. Yeah. This, this sort of, and I very much identify sort of with the escapism. (laughs) Like I just, Hey, let's, let's just ignore all this stuff and let's do something that's fun and poor a few minutes in the middle of that mm-hmm. you're checked out of everything. And in, in one sense, I suppose you could, you could say that's kind of like ignoring the, the past and the future, but it, everything comes slamming back down. I don't see how you're going to be better after that week because it's just going to be worse in my opinion. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't really address sort of the stress that I have when I'm like, I'm just going to, bail on this and yeah. do something else. I think that's what, when in the West here, we're taking the side swipe at it. When we say work-life balance, that's what they're talking about is not taking a week off. Mm-hmm. Well, vice versa, not doing a full week of just, I'm only going to do work. And like, I could turn around and say, well, I want to work 
80 hours this week and get everything done on my plate. And I'm just not going to see my kids until next week. See you later kids. (laughs) And that's like, that's not healthy either. Right. Right. Um, And the stuff I complete air quotes complete at work will by Friday not be my best effort or, or my most creative solution to the issues I'm trying to solve. Right. So Mm -hmm. that to me is that work-life balance of saying like, this meditation is a, is a, is a piece of deciding or better deciding how to spend our time. If it's two minutes a day or, or uh, a full hour on a Saturday each week. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about this in relation to my students because they, you know, report to me that they're, they're very like overscheduled. They have a lot of stuff to do. They don't have time to think. They don't have time to do anything. I don't know. I don't know if they're like Netflixing for five hours straight and then freaking out. I don't know. So I'm not sure, but there, they seem to be reporting that they can't find a balance between doing their schoolwork, working a job and then having any time for themselves, which I realize is a lot. Um, but this might be just one way for them to think about, you know, incorporating something new into their schedules that might help manage that. I, yeah, I hope so. In, in that, I'm thinking again. I can only speak for myself in terms of what is the difference between if I just check out for a while playing a video game or watching TV or something, versus spending five minutes in mindful meditation. And there is that sort of checking out, which I wouldn't, which I do equate with so time for myself and me doing what I want to do. But there is a difference between that and the five minute mindful meditation in terms of how calm I feel and how much more sort of centered and able to just deal with my stuff after that mindful meditation that I don't get from having spent 30 minutes, an hour, you know, watching TV or playing a video game where I might feel accomplished in, you know, having finished a series or having beaten a hard level, but I don't feel better prepared, uh, to continue with the rest of my life. I think that that sounds to me like um, making the conscious decision of how I use my time and my tools. So yeah, you know, Netflixing for five hours, you're exactly right. It's like, it is possible to unwind watching five hours of Netflix, but could we have done it with uh, 10 minutes of something else and then maybe just 30 minutes of Netflix or whatever right, right. and being able to consciously say, no, I can't, this was hard for me. Is it? That's why I'm saying it. as a, as a first year, second year student to say, no, I, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to choose not to do this activity so that I will be able to, you know, do this homework that's assigned. And my fifth year in college uh, undergraduate, I'm finally able to, make that decision and say, I have a paper due on Wednesday. It's Thursday right now. I need to, I need to write two paragraphs and then I can go out with my friends to the restaurant, whatever. Right. And and that's a, um, that's not a skill that per se you have to work on in high school. I, I, you know, Maybe some students do. Some students do, but uh, I didn't have that skill in high school, and I didn't have to because it was externally applied of when I was going to work on coursework and when I was going to have free time. Right. Yeah. So, is the hope then with like the elementary school kids who are doing these mindfulness exercises and stuff is that they're already equipped to deal with these things, and that they because I don't, I'm pretty sure the students that I'm working with have not 
ever done these things or maybe not to the extent yeah. like a daily yeah. sort of, or. No, I, I definitely believe that. I think so the, I think the, the idea at this point anyway, is that elementary aged students actually are already feeling the stress levels that your students are reporting mm-hmm. and that fourth, fifth and sixth graders are having large anxiety over exactly those same things, overscheduled, um, high stakes testing, uh, you know, coursework in, in class, even though it's fourth, fifth and sixth grade to us, that's like, oh, that's super easy. Well, yeah. first time they saw it. And the idea of all of this uh, different items that we didn't have to necessarily work with uh, when we were that age, as far as iPads and, and interactive stuff and Twitch and all of the stuff that people, you know, have to navigate and have the skills to understand what's happening. Well, and my students also report that they just have so much coming at them all the time and that there's this constant um, expectation of being connected or plugged in and reply, respond, and, you know, do these things that I think maybe letting that go for even a minute. Yeah. 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 Deciding when is that a choice? And when is, I understand you have to be able to come to, you know, mom has to text you and you have to reply, but right. set the VIP mode, you know. Yeah, I don't think they've quite figured out all of that stuff yet. Like who and what is worth a response immediately and what can wait. It's, I have to say it got that way for me on, on uh, teacher Twitter and I don't follow, you know, sports and news and Kardashians on Twitter. I follow teachers only. And it, it was getting to the point where I had to first shut notifications off my phone because I, because it was, it's really reinforcing to go hop on Twitter. Hey, here's a teacher I know awesome. They're doing really great stuff in their classroom, you know? And so I'm reinforced for checking my notifications. And then, you know, I want to retweet that, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm spending how many minutes a day just like checking when my phone beeps at me. Yeah. And so right. this year I, I took it off my phone uh, and I just put it back on a couple, like last week, but. Um, well, and I've had to turn off notifications for all social media. Yeah. Know? Because like, first of all, I thought it was mostly the sound, but it was also those little red bubbles. Yep. And so I had to turn off all of that stuff and I just check it like once a day after I'm home and I've done my work or whatever. This is, I think part of, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. No, 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 it's okay. (laughs) Um, I, I, I think this is part of consciously using our tools and mindfulness connects very strongly with this of saying like mindfully and, and consciously and explicitly saying Twitter is a tool I'm going to use uh, 10 minutes and now I'm finished for the day. And mm-hmm. you right. know, I even have a, a text chain of, of my coworkers here at work in the tech department where it's, it's not work stuff. It's just, you know, a, a, a group text message that I have to ignore uh, when I'm yes. working, you know, and come back and look at it Friday afternoon. <laughs> and, right. and otherwise I get really distracted and that's not their fault. You know, and it's well, right. yeah. and it, it's extreme to turn around and say, "Well, I'm going to delete all these contacts and I'm going to delete this this chain." Uh, really, it's just I need to arrange my technology so that I have to explicitly go seek it out to go look at it, and then arrange my time to where I'm focused on work when it's work hours. That sort of focused on work is uh, also, I believe, one version of mindfulness that you that you can do. I remember. Uh, our dad for a while was big into uh, sort of like Buddhist kind of 
focusing on the sort of thing and, and being like, if you're going to wash the dishes, just wash the dishes. So there, there is a, a version of this where it's not eyes closed, paying attention to your breathing, but it is really paying attention to just the task you're doing. Uh, I'm not sure how complex a task that could be, but it, it again, it, if the end result is that you are paying attention to what you're doing and not worrying about what's coming before, or what's coming after and being present in that moment. Like I had moments like that when I was in undergrad working in the interlibrary loan department for the Allen Memorial Medical Library, where I'm just photocopying old medical journals for people who have requested these articles through the interlibrary loan. And so I'm just standing in front of this copier and just like, I would go and grab like five books from the shelf and the stacks. Uh, and I'd come up and I'd stand in front of this photocopier and just, I'd just make photocopies and I'd uh, just be focused on what I was doing is like, how much do I need to enlarge this book so it fits on the paper well, <laughs> you know, and just very much just right there doing that and not worrying about the class that I just took or the test that's coming up in two days. And uh, in, in those moments, it was a similar effect of being just kind of like there doing it focused on on this moment and not worrying about what's coming before or after. Well, and uh, I, you know, I took that swim class a couple of semesters ago. And mm -hmm. for me, like sometimes that sensory deprivation being in the water and just focusing on like my breathing and all that stuff, like, you know what I mean? Like that's sort of a meditative time um, mm -hmm. to do that. Cause I'm focused only on the, the strokes that I'm doing only mm -hmm. on being right there. Um, and thinking about the rhythm of all that. So I'm really paying attention to my body and all of that while that's happening. So that, so I think you could do it in a lot of different ways, like doing the dishes or yep. maybe, maybe it is taking like when you're running. Um, yeah, maybe do those definitely. Things. After the third mile, it's like that. Yeah. Just really focusing on getting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> it's a cognitive, <laughs> it's a cognitive task to get the first two miles done. Um, so I think it's really is important to get master training on this, to be coached on it first. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? You, yeah. can't, I, you know, you can't read a book about swimming and then hop in and go crazy. I think that I, I'm not trying to claim I'm an expert. I have only sat in a couple of, you know, a semester's worth of sessions where it was guided for me and I'm relying on that from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I've read a handful of books and I've, you know, listened to a keynote you know, last week. So, <laughs> so, and I don't feel very expert at it, but you're right. Like those things like swimming, running, uh, you know, dishes or photocopying these, these menial or, or like mundane um, non-cognitive tasks associative is that what they are um like driving to work in the morning uh yes are, are exactly spots where where you're able to be present and not and, and it and it gives your brain that relaxed minute where you're not spinning about the future or spinning about the past so your brain is not having to chug extra hard on anxiety and hormones and and you know endorphins and and uh, adrenaline and instead is able to just like Ah, <laughs> and it feels like that sometimes. I mean, I sound like I'm calling in from California, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, well, and you and you're right that having somebody to help train you on it, and like you, I have, I have not gone in and taken, you know, direct like lessons from a yogi. I've on and off for probably something like ten years have done yoga on a weekly basis on and off. And so I've come back to this and come back to this and come back to this. And there's stuff that I've sort of fallen into 
that I see an effect for. Uh, but you can make it much faster if you seek out somebody who is an expert in it and you know can help instruct. I guess that's the deal. Is like I would say for our students, for our first year college, for our high school seniors who are super stressed and high stakes, um, it's your mileage may vary. I've listened to the keynote guy saying he was able to move himself off of pharmaceuticals and medication and with his, with the support of his doctor and his psychiatrist, uh, remove that and replace it with this mindfulness meditation. I don't claim that that is going to be a, a replacement for other types of therapy, uh, maybe a, 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 a supplement and augmentation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if somebody's experiencing this stress level to the point where it's upsetting them and it's impacting the way they like to enjoy their life, this is an option to, to try that is super approachable and the barrier to entry is low. Mm. Yeah. You, you can find, I'm sure you can find YouTube videos of people who know what they're doing and not just random YouTubers, but you people can who get, know what they're doing. You can get free apps and they've got that little meditation yeah, bell for you. Yeah. I mean, well, and then doesn't audible offer free meditation apps for their members or whatever? I think so. Yeah. I've had a, a couple that we tried on my phone for um, my students and my kids where, you know, it's, it's a timer or it'll give you like a white noise if you want or yeah. like rain or ocean or whatever noise will help you unfocus mm-hmm. your head. Yeah. I like rain. Rain is super pleasant to me. Yeah. I also like the gentle thunderstorm. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am also a fan of a uh, fan of the, the box fan. <laughs> sound. Oh, that's yeah. That's, Definitely a thing. Yeah. I, I'll do Babbling Brook. That's oh. a good one. No, I don't like anything with, I don't like running water. Like the rain's a little much because I don't know. I don't like running water. Well, I, I mean, think I have to pee. <laughs> fair. You got you to stick with what's going to be comfortable. Yeah. Okay. So we're suggesting that maybe if you're having a hard time and you're not responding to like things in your life, in a way that makes you feel good, that maybe you could look into this a little? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think Drew is right in that this is not a, a panacea. It's not going to fix all the things. Uh, if you just have uh, some stress and you want to address it, then you can look into some of this on your own time, and it may help you if you're having serious, like, heart palpitations, anxiety type of stuff, then uh, go to student services. Mm-hmm. go to go to counseling you know this is if you are serious anxiety attacks i don't know that by itself without direction this would be sufficient well yeah. that's that's definitely for your general practitioner to tell you and i know that, that yes. sometimes they would include this in a part of the um treatment right right, right. okay well huh. Well, something to think about. It's true. So everybody take a deep breath in through your nose. Out through your mouth. All right, that's it for this week. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if you have any questions, you have any suggestions, you can reach me on on Twitter. I'm uh, at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. Send me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. Oh, very <laughs> nicely done. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. I'll see everybody next week. All right. Bye. bye.